Amen. Keep that, George. If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. And, uh, now, I'm not uh, one that's known for being particularly handy. Uh, if you need something wrecked or demolished, I can handle that pretty good. Uh, but if you need something fixed, you know, I'm probably not the one you want to call. Uh, but uh, there's some projects that aren't terribly hard. Um, I remember that, uh, you know, it's been several months ago now, but I, uh, my taillight had gotten cracked on my car. I said, surely that can't be that big of a... And I went on YouTube, and I watched them. I said, oh, yeah, I can do that, no problem. So I ordered, uh, I found one on eBay and ordered it for... Um, what to me was a lot of money, but I guess could have been a lot worse. Um, and I took the steps and pulled that rascal out, and it wouldn't turn loose. So, well, it shouldn't really be this hard. So, why can't I get it to come apart? And so I called somebody that knows about that kind of stuff. I called John. I said, John, I got this thing. I, it popped out like you said it would, and but I the wires won't come loose. And he said, you know what? There's an itty-bitty clip on the side of it. You've got to pull that thing back and then pull it out. I went to that car, and guess what? There was. And I pulled a little clip, and out it came. And I plugged the new one in and got it back, screwed it in. Man, easy as can be. Now, I had a lot of trouble. What should have took five minutes took more like 30 minutes and a couple phone calls. But I did get the job done. Um, sometimes when things are easy, or should be easy, they're really hard because we think it can't be this easy. It couldn't just be this simple little clip that I just got to pull out and then they'll, they'll come out. But, and I want us to know that salvation... And the gospel is so easy that sometimes people think it's too easy. Uh, and so uh, Jesus has been teaching about discipleship uh, and service in the kingdom of God in the last few chapters that we've been looking at. And a man who we don't know anything about him uh, other than uh, he was rich and a ruler of some sort. We don't know his name. We don't know if he ever made a profession of faith. He didn't on this day. But he came and asked Jesus a question that every one of us needs at some point in our life ask. And the question was pretty simple. What do I have to do to be saved. What's necessary? 
And so let's take a look and see what Jesus has to say about that. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 17. It says, Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what should I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all of these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up your cross, and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered them again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With men... It is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or land for my sake and the gospel's who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands, with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Now they were on the road again, going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them. And they were amazed, and as they followed, they were afraid. And then he took the twelve aside again and began to tell them things that would happen to him. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief, chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death uh, and deliver him to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and scorch him and spit on him and kill him. And on the third day he will rise Again, the interesting uh, part of Mark's gospel for us, and, and friends, you know, it's good news to all of us. There's a, a song, you know, uh, what is, talks about how those that know the story best are longing to hear it like all the rest. I love to tell the old, old story. Of Jesus and his glory. 
And friend, you know what? The gospel is something we should never get tired of, and we should realize we never stop needing the good news. We never get to that point in this life where we do not need to be reminded of the gospel. Because we constantly need to be reminded about what a life after God is all about and how we attain it. Because human beings, we like to make it easy for us and do it our way. Well, the Bible says the only thing that our way leads to is death and disaster. But God's way is what leads to eternal life. So this man who was a pretty pious, he was a good person. He had a lot of money. And he had a lot of power. But he came to Jesus and asked this question that several people asked him. What do I have to do in order to inherit eternal life? Now, I hope and pray that this was not the last chapter in this man's story with Jesus. Because if it is, he's not in heaven today, he's in hell. He didn't find eternal life. He was a young man that probably grew up in church, if you will. Uh, He'd gone to synagogue every uh, Sabbath day and uh, probably went to, um, you know, what we would call Sunday school and Uh, Even still today, Jewish children go every day uh, for an hour or two to learn about the Scriptures. So he knew the Scriptures, and he tried to do good things, and yet he also knew and understood there was something missing. And what was missing was this personal relationship with God. Because he knew about God. And he knew about God's expectations to some degree. But you know what? It's not about knowing about God that gets you a relationship with God. It's knowing Him. And knowing Him personally. And friend, even that that we need to understand that that is not a one-time decision. You're only saved once. You get saved, and you may have to rededicate your life on occasion. In fact, all of us do. We wander away from the Lord, or we get distant from Him, and we need to come back and praise God. He's always there, and He always forgives us and restores us. But we're only saved once, and at that moment, we're as saved as we're ever going to be. Salvation doesn't come in bits, but salvation is realized in bits. Because as we're saved, we grow in Christ. We grow in sanctification. We grow in holiness. We grow to be more and more and more like Jesus. But that can't happen in our own power, and it doesn't come... By following commandments and checking boxes. It comes by a relationship. And then that relationship that we have helps us to do the things. Helps us to want to do the things 
that God says his people should do. And it helps us to want to behave like God says we should behave. So there's three important truths that I want us to see this morning. And the first one is this, that we have to understand there is only one way to eternal life. This man comes and he says, good teacher. And Jesus begins to say, hey, why do you call me good? For there's only one that's good and that's God. Well, Jesus was God. And Jesus knew that. But this young man was not recognizing Jesus as God. And he wasn't doing this. He wasn't even living for God. He was wanting to have God on a shelf that he could take down when it was convenient. But he didn't want God to be able to make any demands on his life, really, that interfered with anything else. And so Jesus said, he listed a few of commandments. And he mentioned a couple uh, other things that are in the Old Testament, not on the Ten Commandments. Though. And the man perked up, he said, hey, I've done all those things since I was little. Wanted to say, hey, I'm, I'm there, I've arrived. Jesus said, this one thing you lack, go and sell the things that you have. Give it to the poor and follow me. The man understood, he was presented with the opportunity to come to know Jesus Christ. He was presented with his opportunity to find new life. And he went away sorrowful because he had a lot of stuff. He didn't want to give it away. Now, it's not that God hates stuff, but he does hate the love of stuff. And the love of stuff keeps us from being able to love God with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. And so, there's one way to heaven. That's not popular in our world today. Our culture, and it, it's been this way for a long time, you know, that, hey, listen, let's just pick whatever way you want to get to heaven. There's lots of roads to heaven. They all lead to heaven. Well, there's only one road that leads to heaven. And the Bible says it's a narrow and a straight road that very few travel on. It's a road that's free, though. A road where the toll has already been paid for. Jesus is making the point to this young man that it's not about Checking boxes, saying, yeah, I've honored my mother and my father. I've kept the, you know, I've gone to worship and I've, you know, get, brought offerings and I pray and I do all these good things. You say, you know what, it's not about that. That's not what makes you right. He said, there's one thing, one way to get to heaven. And that's to come through Jesus Christ. Because he shed his innocent, sinless blood to pay my sin debt and your sin debt and the sin debt of all the whosoever's in the world that whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. And that's very good news. 
that should, if you're saved here today, that should be very, very good news to you still today. Even if you've been saved for 80 years, that better still be good news for you. Because when it becomes not good news to you, you're in trouble. When it becomes routine or something that you really don't like to think about, there's trouble. Jesus was quite exclusive, and yet he was loving. He looked at this man with love and compassion. But he was not willing to compromise, and he wasn't willing to be politically correct. He said, you know what, there's one way. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. But here's the thing. There is only one way But absolutely anyone, regardless of what they have done, no matter where they're from, no matter what their position in life is, anyone that wants to travel down that road can. Including you. And including me. So we need to understand there is not many ways to heaven. There is one way to find eternal life, and his name is Jesus Christ. And that is the only way that any of us have any hope. Through this discourse, the disciples went about, they said, My goodness, how can anybody be saved? It doesn't sound like, it, you know, it's difficult. And Jesus said, You know what, with man it is impossible. But not with God. With God, all things are possible. And what Jesus was trying to teach the disciples and to us is that Jesus can and will save absolutely anyone who asks. That for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son is inclusive of everyone. But in order to receive that benefit, to receive that gift, you have to receive it. You have to take it. It's offered to everybody. And nobody's excluded from that offer. But if you want to find yourself at the final destination of heaven and eternal life, then you've got to come through Jesus. Another thing that we need to understand and know from Mark 10, 17 through 34, is now we need to understand there's only one way to find eternal life. We need to understand God knows the barriers to you following him. God knows all about you. He knows about the hidden parts of your heart. He knows about what motivates you. He knows what those besetting sins that Paul mentions in Romans chapter 12 are in your life. And yet he loves you. And because he loves you, he is not content to just let you hang out and say, well, we'll just forget it. He demands that we change. 
and that we make Him the Lord of our life. But when He's the Lord of our life, it means that He's the Lord out of every part of our life. Our professional life and our family life and our social life. Every part of our life, Jesus is Lord over or He's Lord over none of it. You see, you cannot just follow Jesus and make Him the Lord of your life on Sunday mornings. Because if you've lived like the devil Monday through Saturday, don't show up church on Sunday expecting God uh, to come sit with you. God knows the barriers to you following Him. He knows the things that are difficult for you, those things that you're trying to hold on to. And he also knows you can't have new life and freedom holding on to those things that are sinful and carrying you down. And so he said, give all that you have. Because he knew that this man was prideful and trusting in his great wealth. I think he perhaps had the motivation of coming to Jesus and saying, hey, he hoped Jesus would say, write me a check, and you're in, buddy. Because he could do that no problem. And really with no effort. But when Jesus calls us to follow him, it's not that we have to leave all that we know, it's that all that we know becomes secondary and Jesus takes that primary place in our life. When Jesus said, if you're going to be one of my disciples, you have to hate your, your father and your mother, and your, he's not saying that you have to not like them. What he's saying is you have to follow Jesus even more than you follow your parents. He's not saying that you throw the uh, fifth commandment or sixth commandment, whichever one it is, out the door. You don't have to honor your mother and father. The Bible says that's the first commandment with promise. And the promise of doing that is long life. He's not throwing away those commandments. But he's saying, if you really are going to follow God, and you're going to be Jesus' disciple... You follow him. And by following him, you find what really is true love. And you love more, and you love deeper, and you love better following Jesus. You find fulfillment. Now, a lot of people looking for answers and looking for peace and fulfillment in life, and they're looking at all kinds of different things for it. But there's only one thing that brings it. And that's a relationship with God. And there's only one way to have it. But God knows what the things are that you're holding back from giving Him as Lord. And He knew this man's heart. He knew that He wasn't sincerely, say, you know, coming and wanting eternal life. Yet, and again, I hope that this man had another opportunity to make a decision to follow Jesus. Perhaps God and the Holy Spirit began working in this young man's life and turning around in that soil of his heart 
And maybe he did learn to put possessions in their right place. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. But when you love money above other things and above people, it creates all kinds of problems. Even in our world today, we still see the truth of that. People that think money is the most important thing. Listen, money is necessary. It makes the world go round. We need money. But loving money means we can't love God. And so God knows the barriers that keep you from following him with your whole heart. And here's the thing. Jesus says, listen, I want you to follow me. I love you, and I know what's best for you. And so I'm going to tell you the things that you need to do. He says, you can either choose to do it or not. This man, at least in this particular instance, chose not to. Like Dr. Tech uh, coming and telling you, hey, listen, uh, your cholesterol is 560. That, that's very, very, very high. You need to go on a diet and you lose some weight and you need to eat much healthier. And if you don't, you're going to die. Well, there are people that take that seriously and they begin to eat right and their life gets better because of it. And there's others that pay their doctor's copay and then go right out to McDonald's, get a Big Mac with bacon on it. And devour it. Say, I don't care what that doctor said. And guess what? Chances are pretty good that person is going to die fairly soon. Understand, Jesus is the great physician. And he knows all about you. And he knows how to make you whole. And he will guide you, he will direct you, he will let the Holy Spirit come and tell you what you need to do to find peace with him. And then we have to make the decision, are we going to do it or not? And actually doing it is much different than saying we're going to do it because every person when we have that conversation with our doctors, and I think doctors are paid, I think, by the insurance could say this, because they say it to all of it, you know, you know, lose weight, exercise more, and, you know, cut out the caffeine, and, you know, if you smoke, quit smoking, and if you drink, quit drinking, and, you know, it's all, it, you know, it's, why? Because, it's not because the doctors hate you, or, you know, by you doing those things, you're going to need to come see your doctor less. Why do they tell you those things? Because... They love you, at least a little bit. They care for you, and they want you to be healthy. They want you to have a long life. And God has given us his word, and this word helps. It's God's recipe for us to have a 
fulfilled, peaceful, God-honoring life. And that's what matters. This world has a, a playbook as well, but it's very much different than God's Word. And it leads to a very different place. Understand God knows the things that are keeping you from following Him. He knows the deep down, dirty, ugly parts of your life. And listen, He loves you anyway. And that's good news to us that are saved. It should be good news to those who are not. Because the good news doesn't matter how wretched and messed up you are, God loves you. And God will save you and God will give you eternal life. But then the last thing I want us to see this morning is how that we take from this chapter is that God designs persecution and difficulty to lead to victory. You see, in our secular, you know, victory is having it easy. But the reality, most things that are easy are not worthwhile. But the things that you have to work for and the things that are difficult and the things that you really toil through are things that lead to victory. As they were going, Jesus tells his disciples, you know, this man had asked, what do I have to do? And he went away sorrowful. It wasn't that he had to, so it was that he had to put his stuff in their proper place in his life. And God knew for this particular gentleman, the only way for that to happen was for him to get rid of it and to give it to the poor. They said, you know what? Religious leaders, the Pharisees, and the high priests are going to come after me. He said, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed. And he's going to be put to death. He's going to be made fun of. And because of that persecution, all of us have the opportunity to find eternal life. Had Jesus not shed his innocent blood on the cross of Calvary and then rose again on the third day, there would be no hope for any of us. But praise God, he's not in that grave. He's alive today. That grave is empty. And Jesus reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. So Jesus taught here to this man, to the crowds, and to his disciples. He said, you know, as we go to Jerusalem, we're going to be betrayed, and I'm going to be condemned. But the third day, I'll rise again. The disciples heard that. They didn't get it. Jesus has already told them a time or two. He alluded to the crucifixion, and they didn't get it. 
In fact, it wouldn't be until Jesus came back again and that the Holy Spirit came and fell on them that they would finally begin to fully understand the things that Jesus was teaching them. But Jesus said to them, you know, whoever leaves father and mother and stuff, position and money, for my name's sake and follows me, he said they'll get it back here in this life. He was not saying, by the way, some that, hey, listen, uh, you give me a dollar, and I'm going to pray over that dollar, and you're going to get $100 back within the week. That's foolishness. But if some of you want to try that, hey, hands open. I can tell you right now it's not going to work, but if you want to try it, hey. That's not what the Scripture says and means. What it says in me is that God will bless you and take care of you. Because you see, and it gives us the, this example in tithing. When you give to the Lord, God does more with what you have left than you could ever have done on your own with the 100%. It doesn't make sense in this world's standards. But God says, you know what? I'll make sure you're taken care of in this life. But then he said in verse 31, and in the next, you will have eternal life. How do you find eternal life? Jesus has already given us the, the recipe, the answer. He's already said it earlier in the Gospel of Mark, whoever desires to find his life, must lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake, will find it. And what great promise and message and hope that should give to us, whether we've been saved for 80 years or 8 days, or whether we're somewhere searching and Jesus is drawing us. The gospel should be good news to everyone. And we need to understand no one is excluded from the gospel. No one. But here's the thing we better darn toot and remember. That Jesus will take you just as you are, but he will not leave you like he found. You better understand and expect that when God becomes the Lord of your life, some things are going to change. But here's the thing. The things that are going to change are for the better. This world may not think so. And sometimes it may not even seem to us to be better. But God's ways are always best. And God's timing is always perfect. And so, friend, these three important lessons that God wants to remind us of that are so applicable to us in our world today that help us remember we must never get over the gospel. We must never get over the, news, the good news. We have to understand there's only one way to eternal life. 
Secondly, we have to know that God knows every barrier that keeps you from coming to Him. Whether that means for the first time and being being saved, or whether it's from being in the center of God's will and knowing what real peace and contentment and fulfillment means. Because it's not in stuff. And it's not in power. It's not in how many people know your name. And it's not even in how much good stuff you do in this world. But it's in if you know Jesus Christ and he knows you. And the reality is he does know you. He knows all about you. And he loves you. That I'm certain of. But what we have to answer is, do I love him? Do I know him? And I hope and pray the answer is yes. And because if you know him, then your prayer is, Lord, help me know you even more. And understand that even when times are tough and when things are difficult, victory is assured for the child of God. Satan celebrated on Friday as Jesus laid in a tomb but he wasn't celebrating on Sunday morning. Jesus' disciples were. And women who had touched Jesus' life were. Because Satan thought that he had won the war. But in reality, he was going to lose that war. And the war was not over. It was just beginning. Jesus paid the price. For my sin and your sin and the sin of all the whosoever's. That is the crux of the gospel. Friend, that's all you need to know. You don't need to have the whole Bible memorized. You don't need to have a theology degree. You don't have to understand it all. All you have to know is that you're a sinner. But God loves you. And God will save you. And you have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that he paid your sin debt and my sin debt and the sin debt of all the world that in the shedding of his innocent blood our sin debt was paid. And then confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. For Paul says in the book of Romans if a man believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth Jesus Christ is Lord he will be saved. The ABCs are simple. The gospel is simple too. And yet you've never quit using the ABCs and you better never quit using the gospel and understanding your need for it. Because you need it today as much as you ever did. And God still loves you and calls you to follow Him. Let's pray again. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Lord, I pray that everyone here will ask themselves this question. Everyone watching on the internet will ask this question that this rich ruler asked in Mark chapter 10. What must I do to inherit eternal life?
And Jesus, through all the things that you taught and said, really it boils down to this, know me. Surrender your life to me. And Lord, for those that have made that decision, I thank you for them. And I pray that you would help us to continue to make that daily decision to surrender our life to you. Maybe there's one of those children here today, Lord, that you've been asking them to give something up in their life. You've been calling them to turn over something that's keeping them from being what they could and should be. Would you help them today to give that to you, to surrender it? Maybe there's one here today they're searching and they've been thinking about God and religious stuff, but they've never professed you as Lord and Savior. Would you help them today to understand the simplicity of the good news of the gospel that we are sinners separated from God because of that sin and under a penalty of death because of that sin. But because God loved us, he paid our penalty for us. And if we'll receive that gift, we'll be saved and have new life. God, speak to our hearts. Help us to be obedient to you. Help us to live for you fully. And Lord, help us never get over the gospel. Help us remember how much we need it even after we found it. That we need to keep applying it to our life. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Friend, let's stand together. We're going to sing this old hymn, I Surrender All. How do you find Jesus? How do you inherit eternal life? You surrender everything to him. You say, Jesus, all that I have is yours. Lord, I come. And if you need to make that decision for the first time today, there's no greater time, there's no greater place than to make that decision. But friend... Maybe you've made that first decision, but God's been dealing with your heart. You know you've not been living for him and you've not been surrendered to him. God says to you, you know what? Surrender it now. Even David got to a place in his life where he had to come back and repent from the Lord. And he cried out to God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And you know what God did? So let's sing together this morning.